Good afternoon. Thankful to be with y'all. If you would, go ahead and be turning in your Bible to Psalm 46. While you're turning there, I am uh, thankful for so many things. Thankful for the wonderful hospitality, the Poland family and the Kane family and taking care of ours. And thankful for the prayers that have gone before and particularly the messages that we have both heard preached and we have sung. And um, I'm going to start with one verse out of the song that we just sang so that if I do drop a bomb after this, we've at least been preached to on be still. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. I believe those words. Number one, because it came out of scripture. Number two. I found it to be true in my life. Most of you, or a good number of you that are hearing my voice right now, were not alive when the Lord put Elder Mike Ivey in my life. This is not the first time I've preached before him. And I'm thankful to get to do it again. And I'm hoping to have many more times that we get to be together. It's a precious dear man to me, mostly because we, say we serve the same precious Lord. Amen. Psalm 46 has the phrase, be still in it, and we'll get there in a little bit. But I want us to look at this song that David wrote for us, because I don't know about you, But over the past six or seven months, I think I have experienced every single emotion that exists in the human human endeavor. I have been afraid. I have been angry. I've been worried. I've been anxious. I've wanted to scream. I have screamed. (laughs) I've wanted to go and hide. And I've done that. That is because about 6,000 years ago, a man transgressed in the garden, and we have forever since lived in a sin-cursed earth. Let me start off this afternoon by saying that. God is not the author of sin. God does not use sin unto His glory. The sins of men are not glorifying to God. And disease is here because of the sin of man. So all of those things are against God. The contrary to that is God is against all of those things. And so the things that have made you angry, or that have made you afraid, or that have made you anxious, or that have made you worry, or that have made you want to run and hide, God is against those things. And so we're allowed to be against them, but in a completely different way than the world says. 
I know you're probably familiar with this psalm, and um, I'm not going here just because it's a safe spot. I'm going here because this is all I can get on my mind today. (laughs) And just like 20 or so years ago, the first time I was trying to speak, the Lord confirmed to me about what I was supposed to talk about by a song that we sang. Be still my soul was that. This psalm, we have it written in 11 verses, but it really breaks into three verses in song divided by the word Selah. We'll talk about that word here in a minute. But if in your Bible you probably have a little title written in there, and I have to put on my reading glasses because it's written so small in mine. It says, To the chief musician, for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. We have no idea what Alamoth is. (laughs) It's a musical term, though. And there are some good possibilities about what it means. And so it's kind of interesting of what David intended for the character of this song to be. Because it can be both. And I think we've lost the true meaning of that over time so that we can see that this psalm can be approached in multiple ways. The most prevalent idea of it is this is for a soprano. Well, this says for the sons of Korah. (laughs) And it didn't mean male soprano. So it's possibly that it was singing lightly in falsetto. God is my refuge. The word is also used for a high piercing instrument to get folks attention. Do you need that one sometimes? (laughs) When all the chaos is around, do you need a piercing voice to scream at you over all of it? God is your refuge. The other word that we have in there is selah. It's another one of those that there's a couple of different meanings. Both of them are musical. One of them is a pause, which regardless of whether the second meaning is true or not, it means at least that, that you sing the verse and then you take a second and you think about what you just said. We ought to do that every once in a while. Particularly on verses that we've read in the Bible our entire lives, we ought to just stop And say, what did that say? (laughs) And realize that that was written for us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by holy men of God to help us. And those words are true. And so we take a moment to pause. Say, what did God just say? What did he just say to me? The other meaning of it, along with the pause, is, well, if it was a contemporary Christian praise and worship song, it would be the major lift of a whole step to the next verse. Okay? It would be reemphasize, state it again, be stronger, get your attention even more that it's building upon it. This is not a song of degrees per se, but it is we take a pause, and the way I look like is if you thought that was good, <laughs> here's more. Just when we think we have figured out how much God loves us, behold what manner of love. He shows us even more. So if you would, I I, I like to read aloud. I I tell, uh, I've been blessed to pastor three churches and I've said it in all three places. I said, I like you to read aloud with me from your King James Bible because then at least I know you read that much this week. (laughs) 
And so let's read the first three verses. Don't say the word Selah. That's kind of like the, the, uh, uh, the, bar, the double bar line at the end of the song. It's just a pause. Let's read these first three verses together. Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. I don't know about before I lived. I only know about the, well, it's almost 50 years coming up in a few weeks. But I know the devil has thrown more at me and my family and this nation in the past six months than he's thrown in my entire lifetime all put together. There was blood in the water and he sensed it and he decided this is my time. I can tell you before I might have had an idea of what it meant for mountains to shake and be removed by the troubling of waters, but now I got a pretty good idea. The world, as I understood it, is not the way it was before. I don't think anybody would argue with me on that. It's, we're in a different place. But this tells us something that when this happens, there's something that has not changed. See, there's a postulate put in here, meaning he's, he's going to make a statement, and then he uses the word therefore. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Since this is true, therefore. You do know the gospel. What we all know as old Baptists, the gospel is not what gets us into heaven. But you know the gospel is to be used for something. That means we need it right now. You need it right now. Your friends at school need it right now. Our generation, we're wimps. (laughs) During my lifetime, Old Baptists got to start using the word evangelism again. My children and you folks that are their age, you've heard it your whole lives. I can tell you, I grew up not hearing that word. We weren't allowed to say it. And so we're not very good at it. Can I tell you, quench not the spirit. You love your friends. And you know how to love them where they're at. <laughs> and you know better than anybody that they need a refuge right now. Amen. What's happening in America was not caused by a single political party. Everything that's happening right now is just showing where we were. It brought everything to the surface all at once. The anger, the hatred, the fear, the lack of devotion to God amongst God's people. Pandemic didn't cause people to not come to church. It showed what they really wanted to do. That's right. Amen. Amen. That was a lot of pastors saying amen, but not much of other folks. God is our refuge. Do you understand what a refuge is? It's a place to hide when there is danger. And this says God is our refuge. You know what's implied by that? There is no other refuge. 
It is not found in entertainment. It is not found in recreational drugs. It is not found in alcohol. It is not found amongst worldly friends. It's not found in working a job. Because folks, even the plowing of the wicked is sin to God. There is one refuge. There is one solution. And I'm not talking about solving America. I'm talking about solving your troubles. And my troubles. Because I'm only responsible for me. I need to know that there is only one place of safety for me. Let me state that again. There is only one place of safety. Now, if you don't feel safe, unsafe in this whole world, then we need to have another talk. Because you're just like Jonah down in the belly of that ship and everybody else is getting destroyed up on the top deck. And he's sleeping away in, uh, what is it, Gil said, basking away in the bosom of carnal security. Okay, you need to wake up. It's a dangerous world out there. And I'm not doing this, saying these things in order to scare you. But the Bible is real and Jesus told us not to fear. There are hundreds of fear not statements in the Bible. Why? Because we're human. We get afraid. But God did not intend for us to stay there. And so he says, I'm your refuge. I am the place that you can come and hide. God is our refuge. Don't get away from that word our. Remember that word. We'll get back to that in just a second. God is our refuge and strength. You know, well, for lack of a better way to put it, for the past six or seven months, every libertarian bone in my body has been tingling. And so I've been having a pretty hard time fighting against my human nature. Because even being a libertarian doesn't make you a Christian. It just means I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Which, y'all know me. I know my strength doesn't come from a government taking care of me. The problem is many of my libertarian friends think their strength comes from themselves. So we're not talking about political party. The only strength that we have is in Jesus Christ. When the apostle Paul was drawing a conclusion in the Ephesian letter in Ephesians chapter six, he says, be strong in the Lord. And what else? And the power of his might. That is not in our anger. That is not in our vitriol speaking toward people that disagree with us. And you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the political battle. I'm talking about how I've seen old Baptists treat one another in social media over the past nine months. The devil's winning. My sister Nan and I were talking about, she said, it's not winning in my life. I'm, I've got that. He's winning so many other places, though, because folks have decided to do things in their own strength, in their own power, forgetting they needed to run to God first. Then he says an awesome phrase, a very present help in trouble. Now, the Bible is not going to include something in there that we don't need. I don't know why we have a lot of the things that we have in the Bible. But over time, there's even been some genealogies that I've wondered why we have that. Oh, yeah, that's why that's there. We needed it. 
we have trouble in our lives. And so this says that God is a help in trouble. I like that. (laughs) I like that I'm not alone. Oh, but wait, it, it doesn't just say God is help. Says he is a present help in trouble. Not only that, it says he is a what? Very present help in trouble. Some of you are young enough that you still live with mom and dad, and there'll be times when you were younger that something happened and it scared you and you called for help. And it took a little time for him to get there. And the distress that was happening while you're waiting on mom or dad to get there, you you thought was the worst thing that was ever going to happen to you. You know what this says? It's not that way with God. Because he is a very present help. He is there. The biggest argument that's made to me whenever I say that to somebody is, well, I don't see him. All I can do is quote to you what Brother Adam told us this morning. You ain't repented yet. Turn around and look. Turn around and look. He's there. He promised to never leave us. If we don't see Him in our lives, then this is a lie or we need to turn around and see the truth. If we don't feel the very present, helpful nature of God in our lives every day, the problem's not with God. I too soon have removed. I've walked away. I've turned away. An old spiritual song, run to the city of refuge. You better run, run, run. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, now, if after you look at all the troubles around in the world, you don't feel safe, then you need to go back to the truth that this starts with, that God is your refuge. Then look at the world. I don't know if he was on the radio here in Alabama. I know folks in Georgia didn't know who he was. But in Texas, there was a fellow on for about 40 or 50 years named Paul Harvey. Okay. And he had a a segment called The Rest of the Story. You'd heard it a lot. But he said, let me tell you the rest of the story. The world's going to tell you pandemic, disease. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. This person's got to be in the White House. This person has to be in Congress. We're going to flood the courts. All of this stuff is the part of the story. The rest of the story comes before this therefore. Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge. God is our strength. He is a very present help in our trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And then David says, just think about what could face you. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, we won't be afraid. You know what concerns us pastors is, I believe it's in Hebrews, it says, ye have not resisted unto blood. We've been very sheltered here in the United States of America for over 200 years. And so... What concerns us as pastors is how the Lord's people reacted with what would biblically would be a light affliction. David's own son tried to kill him. Okay. 
See what I'm saying? These are light afflictions. I'm not saying this to scare you about what's coming in the future. I'm doing just like Jesus did. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he didn't say everything's going to be fine. He said, they're going to kill you. (laughs) He was a realist in the way he prepared his disciples. We have a job to do that for you, to prepare you to face a cruel and a world that hates you. You know why it hates you? Because it hates the Lord that you love. So don't be surprised. Be prepared. And remember, there is a refuge. Oh, the water's there. I mean, it gives this description of a, of a sea just boiling over that you, that you can't, or a raging river that cannot be controlled. You know, before Elder Ivy and I met, for several years, he studied with a man named Elder Joe Holder. Shortly before I was ordained, I was in a conversation with Elder Holder. I hadn't met him in person yet, and I was studying the providence of God. And so I contacted him and I said, Brother Joe, I think I figured out the providence of God. Yeah, that's about what he did. <laughs> like, oh, really? And I said, it's like a raging river. And said, so all you've got is a log to hold on to. He only said one phrase back to me. Who says you get a log? Okay. Every single one of us, not just the people that I might get mad by this next statement, next statement, every single one of us thinks we have control of the aspects of our lives. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. But God is our refuge. And our strength. Because you're going to go crazy trying to control all of the dangers. It's like watching a young mom with little ones thinking they can protect them against everything. I've met a lot of young moms like that. Their hair like this. (laughs) And they're always nervous. This psalm is going to close with be still. That tells me that it's possible to be calm. Even the world being turned upside down. All right, we got the next few verses. Verses 4 through 7. Y'all read those with me. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The close of the first verse, you know, first verse of the song. David says there are waters that roar and then trouble. The world is trying to cause commotion and frustration and fear and danger in our lives. And so David sets against that a river. Okay? A river. I don't speak Hebrew, but I know what the word here literally means. It means prosperity. You know, gardens are fed by rivers. And then he talks about those streams. He talks about irrigating a field. So we've got raging waters, 
the troubles out there in the world. Everything that the world has to offer is a raging water that doesn't do anything other than drown you. But then there's this river of life, we could say. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad. What's that next phrase? The city of God. Now, it's been about 2,000 years since Jerusalem was destroyed. Okay, so either this verse stopped having meaning 2,000 years ago or David meant something else. I think your pastors have taught you well. The church of the living God is Mount Zion. So notice what this says. David begins by saying, God is our refuge. Then he says, there is a river that the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Where is our refuge? But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks that are able to stand through storms are those that are faithful to worship him. They're faithful to sing praises to him. And the result is, they're there where the irrigating streams are. You know, I I grew up in the concrete jungle of Dallas-Fort Worth. I've lived in Lubbock, I've lived in concrete. I've lived in West Palm Beach, there ain't anything down there but concrete. I now live outside of Good Hope, Georgia. Ain't much concrete. When we were moving in, I was learning about a well. I'd always been on city water. Some of you folks don't even know what city water is. You got county water. I was on city water. But I'm on a well, and so I'm learning how this stuff works. Well, on up the way, there's a guy building these two massive chicken houses about a mile and a half to north of me. And I'd heard stories of building massive chicken operations and it drying up. Everybody's wells around there. So I got a little nervous. My neighbor then began to describe to me what was underneath my feet. He said, Bryce, it's only about 40 feet down there. There is a river that's not going to run dry. He said, your little well (laughs) is going to be supplied. See, in order to find a refuge, you got to go to the place where he said he is. In order to be fed with the knowledge that there's no reason to fear, you need to be in the place where the message is taught that there's no reason to fear because God is our refuge. There's a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Mountains were being moved, but what does this say? She shall not be moved. Can I tell you this? Regardless of who our next president is and who's on the Supreme Court, America's experiment is over. Unless the Lord intervenes, the freedom that we've had is never going to really return. I think God blessed us for over 200 years with something and we took it for granted. I'm talking about the Lord's people. But let me tell you this, God's more interested in his church than he is in a country. He uses countries at his whim. We're going to see that here in just a second. He's interested in his church. So I'm not saying don't be politically involved, 
But folks, one of the most disturbing things that I have seen is there are so many people, and I'm not getting political on you here. I'm just telling you what I saw. They went to a boat rally. Y'all know who that was for? Waving banners that said, in Trump is our trust. Lord help, that's God's people saying that. If your confidence is a man, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Don't put your confidence in me. Don't put it in any of these men in here. Put your confidence in the Lord. Because because of him, the church shall not be moved. Which, by the way, you know the six cities of refuge that are described there in the Old Testament? If you read in Jewish writings about how those cities worked on a day-to-day basis, they had suburbs round about them. And you know what the job of those people were outside those city walls? Is that they saw somebody running and in distress, they were to point them to the closest city of refuge. It is your job when you see people's lives in distress, whether they be somebody you know or somebody that you don't know, point them to the church of the living God. So they won't come. So that's not your responsibility. I guarantee they won't come. And they won't find the refuge they need unless you point it out to them. They're going to look for refuge somewhere. It needs to be in the church of the living God because that is where the streams feed and nourish and He protects and saves from the avenger. God is in the midst of her. I love that. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. You know, Psalm 2 tells us about why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. That's got a lot of applications, not the least of which is they tried to kill the Christ when he's born here on earth. It's a vain thing to go against God. I like what it says in that psalm. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's like God sitting there saying, are you kidding me? You think that you can actually stop me from doing what I want to do? Now think about that about the church. The church doesn't exist because of what you've done. Church exists because it is the bride of Christ. And God protects it and loves it dearly. That's where we need to be. That's the safe place to be. Heathen rage. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. God just talking. Everything can go away. All the troubles can end. They stop at the gates of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know your interpretation of Revelation. And really it doesn't matter because as long as you get this part. Every time there has been a group or will be a group that tries to come up against the people of God. It looks like it's end. Then Jesus just shows up and it's instantly over. Instantly. Before we read this last area, and we're going to move along quickly. I was going down to the Ebenezer Fellowship down at Cool Springs Church last weekend with Brother Chris Edwards, one of the deacons. And we, he started talking about all of the different possibilities of things that would happen with the illness and with the elections. And I just sat there. I wasn't taking part in the conversation. I was just letting him talk. And then finally he stopped and realized there was no way he could list all of the different possibilities of what can happen. And if you get that way... Which, by the way, if you're on Facebook a lot, you're going to get that way. 
If you're watching the news a lot, you're going to get in that way because it's not telling you the other side of the story. It's only telling you of the mountains and things. This generation will understand this. There's a fellow in the, in the Marvel movies that when they get down to Infinity War, Dr. Strange, was that his name, that ran all of the millions of possibilities of how things could go? Okay? God knows the million and one. Because there's His way. We may think we've got it all figured out by our human inventions. But what we need to understand is that God loves us. And he would have us to be what happens in these last few verses. Let's read these. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now left out verse 7 by accident, but it kind of works out because we're going to get to it in verse 11 also. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. There's not an accident that he repeats that phrase. But we'll close out with that. The world will say, All of these troubles are happening. David says, here's what God can do. He wants a nation gone. It's gone. Maketh desolations. He wants a war to stop. It stops. Don't tell me that we have more power in worldly events than God does. Unfortunately, what it is, is humans have said, God, we don't want your intervention. So I think he said, fine. Let's see how this plays out for you. My hope is, is that the children of God will see that they don't want any part of that. And will return back to Zion. And can I tell you something about your friends? Your friends, there's, there's children of God all over the place. And right now, they've realized that their system, whatever it was, whether it was trusting in themselves or whether it was trusting in a religion or even it was trusting in some form of Christianity, it's crumbling. Barna says that by next year, one-third of the churches in the United States of America will have closed their doors permanently. They've got no place to go. But they're still thinking the same way they always... They're always looking for some new way. You know you've got something new for them. It's about 2,000 years old. But it's new to them. Share it with them. Because nations are going to come and go, I love the United States of America. I hope that it is preserved. I like freedom. I don't like having to, to have guards standing at the door checking to see if the government's coming to tell us to be quiet. Which, oh, by the way, that's happening in California. If you think it's not too far moved from Alabama, you're wrong. Because it's happening in the east coast too making its way toward us but he says in the midst of all that so so he says here's his conclusion be still quit trying to figure it out be still and here's how your fear is going to go away and know that i am god then he says i will be exalted among the heathen 
regardless of how you define heathen, whether that be in the destruction of his enemies or us non-Jews, we're heathen. He's being exalted today. Here in the United States of America, what 2,000 years ago people would call heathens because <laughs> we weren't Jews. God said that was going to happen way back when David wrote this. You don't think he knows what's going on in your life? I will be exalted in the earth. Exalted means to raise up. We will ultimately see. You know, all the time people like to quote, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, we, we, we Christians love that phrase. My statement that's going to go along with that is if every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we need to go ahead and get started. Why are we waiting to watch them in judgment? Then he says, the Lord of hosts is with us. He said this back in verse 7 also. The captain of the hosts of the heaven of glory. All of the heavenly hosts, which by, by the way, one angel can kill 185,000 in a day. Actually, he could do more, but God stopped him. That captain fights for us. And then something very, very fundamental. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob? What, what's that got to do with anything? You ever heard anything about covenants? The covenant that I made with thy father Jacob. The reason that God is our refuge and will always be our refuge is because before the foundation of the world, he made another covenant. And our refuge is a God of covenants. And he didn't sign this agreement with me. So that means it's there regardless of how I treat it. He is my refuge if I turn to him. The church is there to feed me if I go there. God is a God of covenants. He doesn't change and get wishy-washy with troubles like I do. He looks at us. And he cares for us and tells us, I've prepared a place for you. As the brother was teaching us this morning, God intends for us to live in Jesus Christ now. And to have that eternal life now. God is our refuge. God is your refuge. A very present help in time of trouble. May the Lord bless you all in my prayer.